It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosi. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosi. Hello there, film lovers. Welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocy, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Sosi. The show is available as a podcast, and it's also available on iTunes. And joining me in studio today to, uh, to catch up on something big open this week, and I actually... Uh, a full disclosure, I'm working on a show right now, so the fact that I got my evenings back and I was able to actually see this, and, and apparently, Sam, I, I, gave, I gave more than one person, actually, a little bit of inside information. Sam Watermeyer is here with me, fellow film critic here at the IFJA. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those who don't know, and apparently this, is, this really shouldn't be a secret anymore, but it is, but when a film opens on a Friday... It is now common practice to show it at least once the night before it opens at your local multiplex. I think it's a ploy for you to, for, and it's a ploy for you to go to the website of your favorite multiplex and see if they do have such a practice. And I live way the heck out of Indianapolis, and they even do it out there. So, uh, and and it helps out for those of us who have evening commitments. Because uh, if I can't see it on Thursday night, I would more normally see it Friday morning with the group I like to affectionately call the old, the unemployed, and the weird. Because who else is at a movie Friday mornings at 10 a.m.? That being said, Sam, you and I, separately, different theaters, got to experience Spider-Man Homecoming on a Thursday night. And without getting too, too much into it, you wrote online you, you'd had a crummy day and it, this film cure you of your crummy day. So congratulations, Sony. Um, your thoughts on the sixth Spider-Man film in the last 15 years? Well, Plus. 
it's hard for me to immediately call it the best because I have such a strong sentimental attachment to the first two Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies. Right. And when the first one came out, I was 11 years old. So they're AKA the target audience. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> you know, those are kind of classics of the, the first two are classics of the genre to me, but I feel like this, Spider-Man Homecoming is the Spider-Man movie I've been waiting for for a long time. Since two? Yeah, well, I wanted to see Spider-Man as a kid in high school, and I wanted a a teen... As opposed to a late 20-something Tobey Maguire or a less-than-20-something Andrew Garfield. Exactly, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the, the lead actor, Tom Holland, you know, he's 20, but he passes as as a, a high schooler and um i think uh my friend evan dossie put it best he said it's like freaks and geeks with spider-man i i the other one i heard and i'm, I'm sure i'm the umpteen person to say if you combined marvel with a john hughes film exactly uh, yeah. that sort of thing yeah so we have so um basically as as sam said that's that's the premise basically we have we have peter parker in high school and um what what is helpful T DC take note is there is no origin story it's just him there i believe i believe marissa tomei playing the most beautiful aunt may on earth the joke is the next series i think ariel winter's going to play aunt may but um but you know there's like one line of dialogue that talks about the past and that's really it so it's not like batman where you had to watch the wayne parents get killed four times since 1989 um, it's mentioned and then it moves on. I mean, it, it, it's it's pretty lean on that part. That because uh, basically, let's let's not forget, folks. Sony's going to keep remaking this thing until they it, until you pry the franchise from their cold dead hands. That's why we've gone from Tobey Maguire to Andrew Garfield to Tom Holland. Um, this time around, as, as I was watching this. Because yeah, it was funny, you were you were eleven when the first Sam Raimi film came out. I I reviewed it on Fox fifty nine AM. Oh wow! Um, <laughs> back in the Clarence Reynolds era. Hello, Clarence. He also had a great gaffe. I, I have to I hate to admit this, but he was reading the teleprompter and he said, I believe he said Batman, and we we said off mic Spider Man. You could hear us laughing as it went to the clip. Anyway. Um, there's also been a lot of comparisons that, like, like kind of what you're saying is th this is the best Spider-Man film since Sam Raimi's Spider-Man Two, and I don't know. I I haven't. That requires me to actually revisit the entire five other films, and and honestly, I, I don't. I really don't want to. <laughs> there was a period of me that thought it would have been interesting to see Sam Raimi be uh, uh, Sam Raimi directing Andrew Garfield. Um, not, and that's not a diss on Tobey Maguire. It's just just a different preference. And I think we that was all, you know, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. We did get a little bit of him in high school, a little more high school, a little more uh, teen angst. Um, but we go back back with this one. That and of course the uh, the obligatory appearances by in this case Robert Downey Jr. and John Favreau. Um, and although Quentin Paltrow gets higher up in the billing, and she only has one cameo, not really a spoiler. Um, oh, how high is she in the billing? She got a she got a higher bill than Tyne Daly, and Tyne Daly had two scenes. But oh, wow. I'm old and crotchety, and that's just a little <laughs> thing with me. But uh, but no, we have we have Peter Parker d still developing his persona, still developing his powers, having a crush on on a girl, and and then having to uh, you know basically be the trying to be a, a lackey for for Tony Stark. 
Um, and that and that's the gist of the film. And then we have Michael Keaton, who's very grounded and very, and it's on paper it looks like a little bit of stunt casting because he's Batman and Birdman, okay. and he hasn't played a villain in a while. Not, the, um, not since maybe Desperate Measures. I'm sure somebody will send me a correction, but. Uh, <laughs> But but it's it's a rooted it's a rooted villain and there is a little bit of backstory. There's like the I think well basically the opening scene as to how Keaton's character gets to the way he is and why. So that's the setup I think for the second half of the film. And I have to admit, without giving anything away, there's a plot twist involving the connection of everybody I didn't see coming, and I thought that was oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty smart. Um, what I enjoyed about. Uh michael keaton's villain is that unlike you know the green goblin or doc ock he's a a blue collar working class guy just like peter parker he's not this father figure who's kind of ivy league and and kind of part of the elite like it seems spider-man's other enemies have been so I thought that was interesting. I like that. It I it kind of it was reminiscent. He could have gone and had a beer with Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman, which exactly, was kind of yeah. woefully underve- underdeveloped. I wish there was more of him in in the third film. Yeah, but, me too. But there are other there are other, that's another discussion for another time. <laughs> um, I, I overall I think I enjoyed it. I, I still think I I regard it higher than Beauty and the Beast because there was a part of me because this is the sixth one. I, I mean I enjoy these, but they're not. I don't think they're going to stick with me personally for for a long long time because I'm an old crotchety whatever. <laughs> but you know it's it's slightly better in as far as compared to say Beauty and the Beast where it's well. I thought Beauty and the Beast was well made and absolutely not necessary. Hmm. This one slightly necessary <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, you know, slightly needed at least in my in my wheelhouse. Um, because I like Tom. You know, Tom Holland in Civil War was a was a little breath of fresh air because, you know, he is an outsider, and and yes, he's not a brooding. You know, and and the Marvel guys aren't the DC guys. You know, but there is a little bit of navel gazing and a little bit of a little bit of uh, fist handling angst with some of them. Um, and They're not it, having much fun, really. Well, they were, well, when you fight your friends on the on a on that's a true. you know on an airport runway, that's not fun. I mean, it's really, well, yeah. <laughs> but he brings he but but Tom Holland and the Peter Parker character brings a little bit of bounce and a little bit of fresh air and a, a high pitched voice for a kid in his teens. Um, it's kind of it would it would I think I kept thinking of if if we had that power, you know, if hmm. if a regular human being and you're still trying to work it, you know. There's there's no collateral damage. Well, there is collateral da- damage in this film, not in human form. Looking at you, Man of Steel, but you know a lot of broken fences and how doll houses and tree houses, and because the kid's still learning his craft. Right. Uh, but but overall, liked it, and you know I I I don't think I need to see another superhero film for the until well, I guess until Justice League in the fall. But um, <laughs> but I'm all right. I'm I, all right with it. I mean, <clears throat> to me, it was such a uh, kind of palate cleanser from the amazing spider-man i i didn't see the second one but i uh just thought the amazing spider-man basically took the spider-man mythos and just sucked all the joy out of it (laughs) um and peter parker is just such a jerk and like i get that you know he's tormented and it's like james dean being spider-man exactly that's a good example yeah he's just so overwhelmingly angsty and i just had no fun watching it and this one you know tom holland is so charismatic and and i love 
the sense of wonder he brings to Peter Parker. You can you can sense that Peter Parker is, you know, having a blast, and he still is. Uh, he feels the weight of his power and his responsibility, but it doesn't. You know, the movie isn't totally bleak, um, like the Amazing Spider-Man. Right. And so, so yeah, so the, so there you go. I, I I liked it, and you know, I could and I could go either way, and it, it cured Sam of a gloomy day, and he really liked, it. and out cleanses palate from the Amazing Spider-Man. So that's good. That exactly. so so mission accomplished there. Exactly. All right. Um, I have to ask Sam because I know you you did see Baby Driver. I did. Okay. So so what I've learned from Edgar Wright as a director is when he does a genre picture, you don't want to see another genre of that kind, you know, a picture of that genre for at least a decade. <laughs> Case in point, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Interesting. Um, because I think there's there's enough knowledge of the genre and love of the genre and poking fun at it gently of of certain tropes, cliches, characteristics that happen in these films. The buddy cop film in Hot Fuzz, the zombie films in Shaun of the Dead. Uh, my daughter is a huge fan of Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, as am I. So uh, the question is, does Baby Driver make you not want to see a heist film for the next decade or, or at least uh, or intense car chase scene uh, films? Interesting. Um, because I, and it's funny because I like those. I, you know, I'm, I'm the one that really loved, loved, loved the film Drive. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. and I'm I'm wondering if there is knowledge of films like Vanishing Point and The Driver and all the uh, you know as an old person I would scream real stunts done by real stunt people mm-hmm. and from what I've heard all the stunts are done in this film interesting as opposed to the uh, the CG stuff high fast and furious so uh, your your thoughts on <coughs> on on Baby Driver um, well I actually love the Fast and the Furious movies I'm sorry that's fine if you <laughs> you know when you, you you have to embrace the silliness of that. Like, sure. for instance, taking a car and driving it off a side skyscraper window and landing into the neighboring skyscraper window. Right. So that's fine. Well, I mean, and Baby Driver is maybe a little more grounded in reality than that, obviously. <laughs> um, but, uh, I, you know, from the, the first five minutes on, this movie just really holds you in its grip. It's um, uh, just... You know, relentless with its with its action, and I don't mean that in a negative connotation. Um, but it's really as cliched as this sounds. It's kind of the roller coaster ride of the summer right now, um, and it did remind me a lot of uh, um, you know early Michael Mann stuff. Um, I saw some parallels with Heat and. Uh, you know, it, it has sort of a Quentin Tarantino feel to it, but I think it ultimately feels wholly original. I don't know if I've seen anything quite like it, um, even though it is kind of made out of scraps of other movies. I think if I'm if I'm if I'm correct, I believe it is the the in this case the story of the kid having to do one more job. Yeah. And in this case, he's surrounded by eccentric characters like Kevin Spacey, John Hamm, Jamie Foxx. Um, and also, from what I've heard, wall-to-wall music. 
There's something I'm, I'm sure I'm bound to want to have in my music collection if I uh, upon experiencing it. Oh, so you you haven't seen? No, it I yet. haven't. That's why I'm oh, okay. I'm feeding you these things of <laughs> of of that. So yeah. Um, I I think you'll like it a lot. I imagine some people will dismiss it as sort of a Quentin Tarantino knockoff in terms of its you know use of music and just the pace of it and the snappy dialogue and. Um, but I, this is my, my number one movie of the year right now. Really? Wow. Um, it's just, it's also July folks. It's, we, 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 we all, we all know this. Right. Uh, yeah, we have, we have a long way to go. We have, we have grown up movie season, hopefully starting in September. So, but that's, that's good. That's good praise for the first half. Yeah. I mean, it kind of feels like, uh, the way Fury Road felt to me um i guess gosh when was that 2015? 2015 that was my yeah that was my number two film of that year yeah it, it, baby driver is kind of like the the thrill ride um uh, of the summer right now um and i usually don't like uh the lead actor ansel elgort mm-hmm. mostly because his name bothers me i think it's stupid why <laughs> all right <laughs> I would say talk to his parents on that one. <laughs> I don't yeah. think I don't think an agent. I don't think it's you know a 1940s press agent went. I don't like your name. Can't change it. I don't think he was changed to that. I think he was right. born with that. Come on now. No, I know. I'm, I'm being mean. I, I know because um, he is all he is young and crotchety. Old film critic. <laughs> um, Jamie Foxx is great. He's very menacing. Um, as is John Hamm. Um, it. Uh, and it also, um, our friend Nick Rogers said it also kind of harkens back to like 1950s musicals. Um, there's a, uh, one of the main settings is a 50s-esque diner. Um, so it does kind of like a Quentin Tarantino movie feel the, the, the time is sort of vague. It, it's a movie that seems to take place in many different eras at the same time. So things like, you know, the diner or the car or the music are, is kind of, it sounds like it's a mishmash of, of, of decades. Yeah, and I think that's cool to, you know, it gives it kind of a surreal feeling. You're not sure exactly where you are. Um, it, it feels like a, a unique world. Um, and I can't wait to see it again. So There you go. See, and, and by the way, it takes a lot for a critic to see something in the theater a second time. Yeah, because once something opens, we have to focus on what's opening next. So right. very cool, and it's like you said, it's your number one film of the year so far. So yeah. high praise on that. Yeah. Okay, uh, heading to the drive-in a little bit. Let's see what kind of pairings we have. Because sometimes the pairings they just are strange. Okay, <laughs> over at the Tibbs, we have on screen one. Spider-Man Homecoming and Baby Driver. Hmm. So they're waiting for the kids to fall asleep on that one. <laughs> uh, screen two. Screen two. Ooh. Oh, these are both Warner Brothers. That's why. The House and Wonder Woman. Hmm. Yeah. Um, screen three. Despicable Me 3 and Cars 3. Both animated, both for the kids. And then <laughs> screen four. At... <laughs> It's great because, okay, so at a drive-in at the Tibbs, the first feature is also replayed late, late. Hmm. So, for instance, 
Spider-Man Homecoming will be at 9.30 p.m., and then Baby Driver will be at 11.55 p.m., and then Spider-Man Homecoming will be replayed at 1.55 a.m. For those who are in for the long haul at the drive-in. Right. Or those that want to show up late and and make Baby Driver the first. I, I don't know. You, you, you all have your drive-in habits. <laughs> screen four, you can only get one screening each of the films because at 9.30, Transformers, The Last Night. Ugh. Followed by All Eyes on Me at 12.15. Oh, God. <laughs> a rap biopic with that Michael Bay film. Okay, there you go. That's that's at the Tibbs. Um, over at the Skyline, you have Despicable Me 3. Oh, I'm sorry. S- Spider-Man Homecoming first, then Despicable Me 3. So there is that over there. Don't forget at uh, Keystone Arts. Again, this this all depends on when you're listening to this show. If you are listening on Saturday, hi, thank you, um, and the other days too. But ju- set tonight at midnight at the Keystone Arts, um, Saturday night, Grave of the Fireflies hmm. for you uh, fans of uh, of Studio Ghibli. Next Friday or next Saturday, yeah, next Friday and Saturday, July fourteenth and fifteenth, The Love Witch, uh, July twenty first and twenty second, Fantastic Planet, and July twenty eighth and twenty ninth, the last two films of the Midnight Movie Series at Keystone Arts, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. So, July twenty first through the twenty third is when uh, Nick Rogers, Evan Dossie, and Joe Shearer and I are doing our next Yeah <sighs> Film Festival. Yes. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, you've done two of these. Yeah. Okay. So um, this, <laughs> I still think you should charge tickets to, to this. This in 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 our building. This this would be a premium, premium uh, thank you gift for supporting the show. So please tell us about this year's F Yeah Festival. <clears throat> and if you know Team America, you know what that you know what that means. I mean, basically, you know, the ultimate goal is to choose movies that will make you yell F Yeah. Um, the first one. <laughs> Was uh, a marathon of action movies from the 80s and 90s. Uh-huh. Uh, there was stuff like Showdown in Little Tokyo oh with uh, the one and only Dolph Lundgren. Yep. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, there was Tango and Cash. Oh. You know, kind of silly action movies. And then the second one was um, actually car chase movies. Good. And then this next one is a little more sophisticated. Um, we're each choosing uh, a different decade to pick a movie from. Um, so, you know, we're kind of going out of our comfort zones, choosing stuff from, you know, the 20s and 30s. And um, let's see, I have uh, the 30s, 60s, um, seven or 30s, 60s, 80s, and 2000s to choose a movie from. So what you you guys are gonna pick four each? Yeah, and it does regardless of genre or. Well, the only requirement is that it has to make you yell "f yeah." <laughs> um. So <laughs> for some reason, Gone with the Wind. I mean, <laughs> oh, uh, uh, um. I've yet to do that for the long and short of it. Oh my way. gosh! We'll we'll get to the long and short of it a little bit. But do you have ideas? Um, so with thirties, sixties, eighties, eighties, and the yachts. I already have all of 
<clears throat> all of my picks. Um, Can you share them with us on the air? Those guys aren't listening to the show. Well, <laughs> I could. We're, I could. We're trying to keep it secret from okay, each other. All right, but all I right. will say that I went with much more conventional choices than they did. Um, Evan said, and I was a little worried. I said, I don't know if mine are weird enough. And he said, "It's okay. Your movies are like palate cleansers to what we're choosing, so I'm I'm kind of worried about what they chose." I'm not. That's <laughs> I. You know what? I would love when it's when are you doing this again? Uh, July 21st through the 23rd, and it's not like a real thing. We're just sitting in a living room, like watching these. It, you're okay. you're it, also just so focused. You're yeah. also wearing clothes and you're bathing. Oh, yes, yeah. of course, yes. <laughs> Um, when when this is all said and done, I would love to have you guys back on the show after you've received some sleep, and and discuss this. I would love a list uh, and a breakdown of how this goes. I would love that. Okay, too. We'll, we'll we'll work on that. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> if I if I organized that in my house, I would get sitcom wife look and sitcom <laughs> daughter look big time. Uh, all right, mark your calendars, folks. Um, July 9th through the 13th is the Indianapolis Israeli Film Festival, which is happening at the JCC. Um, you can go to jccindy.org slash Israeli Film Fest. And they start Sunday, July 9th at 4 p.m. And I, I, pardon my uh, my my tongue for not going. Abu Lili, Abu El, I believe, is the first one. Um, Sunday at nine, Sunday, July 9th at 7 p.m. My hero brother. Um, Monday the 10th at 7 p.m. The women's balcony. It's Tuesday, July 11th at 7 p.m. Hummus. Wednesday, July 12th at 7 p.m. Yeah, I guess what it's a documentary and it's about. <laughs> is it? Yeah. Um, Sounds riveting. I, hey. Um, I'm just kidding. No, no. Three, three Israelis from three very different backgrounds are brought together by their love for a common dietary staple. So, okay. yes. Sure. Yes, it is, smart guy. <laughs> uh, um, let's see. July 12th, Wednesday, July 12th at 7 p.m., uh, the film In Between. Thursday, July 13th at 7 p.m. on the map. Um, so, yeah, that is happening. The 2017 Israeli Film Festival happening over at the JCC. Also um, happening is the 2017 Indie Film Fest. That starts up uh, July 13th through the 23rd. And uh, you can go to IndieFilmFest.org for schedules and uh yeah, that. Oh man, I I I I just lost. Sorry. Ah, so you have categories including Hoosier Lens, obviously locals, uh, American Spectrum features, American Spectrum shorts, documentary features, documentary shorts, special presentations, world cinema features, and world cinema shorts. So there there is there's got to be something for everybody at the Indie Film Fest. So go check that out as well. Um, an update on the uh, Summer Night Series at the IMA. Those are going fast. I think we have learned now these are like concert tickets or sporting <laughs> tickets. You have to get them fast. Um, last night was uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and at the time of this recording, tickets were still available. Tickets are still available for Friday, July 28th for Friday, the first one, the only one that matters. Um, <laughs> Friday, August 18th for Serenity, and that's it. Mm. Everything else is sold out. Oh, so, wow. 
very bully to the IMA. That's a that's a fun fun evening outside in with movies. But um, anyway, the, there's two more of those happening. Okay, uh, shifting gears a little bit. You're listening to uh, Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Sam Watermeyer is hanging out with me. Going to the video store, there there are two films of note that came out. Um, and I, I forgot, did you see The Zookeeper's Wife? Or as I people have not. been calling it, uh, Schindler's Zoo? I wish all <laughs> zoos were run by Jessica Chastain, but that's, that's just me. <laughs> um, and then the other film of note is uh is song to song the latest film from terrence malick um malick is it's funny because malick of course was known that you know it, it would be years between his projects and now he's kind of banging one out at least every six to eight months um this time around it's ryan gosling rooney mara natalie portman michael fassbender and kate blanchett and it's a uh, it's two sets of love triangles set in the music industry but it's it looks like the last four films that Terrence Malick has given us, and this is all post Tree of Life. So a lot of voiceover and a lot of uh, voyeuristic handheld cameras walking behind you, you know those kind of thing. Um, you know, kind of droning music at times. Although there's there's an eclectic soundtrack with this one. Um, I, I I'm intrigued to see if any of the actors knew what they were involved in at the time. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's those now. I still I still like Terrence Malick. I you know films like Night of Cups and uh, the one with Ben Affleck that's now I'm now losing Super it. Wonder I think I think so. Yeah. Um, so I mean I'm still enjoying his and Vessel of the Time of course the documentary. Um, I'm 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 liking them. I want them to be shorter now. If you can if you can give me a Terrence Malick visual wonder and ninety minutes or less, I'm going to be a little more satisfied. Well, that's why I loved Voyage of Time. I think forty eight uh, minutes. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it um, looked cool. There's some voiceover, and it's it's telling you a little something. That one at least it's telling you what things are. It, you know, we are we are a part of this universe. Hmm. Um, Tree of Life. Say what you will. You know that that the death of some of, of a stoic father, nineteen fifties Texas is a you know a, a piece of lint on the fingernail of some giant universe uh, you know some higher bigger existence you know well and, and occasionally uh, you know you give me that you give me that in shorter amount of time i'm gonna be okay with that yeah. so that that's kind of what song so ladies and gentlemen don't go in thinking you're seeing a ryan gosling movie don't do this is not a ryan gosling film this is a terrence malick film and there's a big difference so anyway, that is out on DVD and Blu-ray, and it shifts gears a little bit because I, I was talking about this with Sam earlier, and I posted this online. I watched the my family uh, went on vacation on Wednesday. I am I am taking off and meeting up with them Monday because I'm in a production of Richard III, which closes actually performance tonight. If you're listening to this on Saturday at 7:30 p.m. at the Indie Fringe, Sunday at two at Indie Fringe, and then I'm going. But um, the thing I posted online, and I asked the question of what is the f last film you watched when the fam when your spouse, significant other, or family were out of the house? One that nobody you nobody except you was really interested in. Now the, the, the it doesn't necessarily mean it mean it has to go down that path, but more a lot of times it does. So case in point. <laughs> 
for instance, when I got home from work Wednesday, I watched Terrence Malick's film Song the Song, and then I watched my Criterion Blu-ray of Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs. Because <laughs> I really don't feel like explaining the, the rape scene with Susan George to my daughter, and my wife knows about it. So th- that sort of thing. So... Um, Sam, I guess I know you, you've, uh, you have a, a significant other at home. You have a smart one at home. Have you, when was the last time you did this? When, the, when she is out of the house and like, okay, I'm going to watch this. Um, can you give us an example? Yeah. Well, recently, um, I guess, uh, I watched Gimme Danger, uh, the documentary about the Stooges. Jim oh, Jarmish. yes. Yes. Very cool. Um, she would probably hate that music. I see. And, um, and probably wouldn't, uh, like Iggy Pop. Um, I actually like that movie a lot. I'm not a big Jim Jarmusch fan. I think he can be really boring, but it's, uh, uh, it's, it's more conventionally entertaining than most of what he's done. I I think of Year of the Horse, the uh, Neil Young concert film. But yeah, it's mm. it's also very cool. And by the way, Iggy Pop has a cameo as himself in Song the Song. Oh, cool. If you want that. Um cool. yeah, I I enjoyed that one as well. Okay, that's good. That's that's a good an- that's a, that's a kind of an answer we're looking for. So, I went online and posted and and got a flourish of responses, some more obvious than others. So, I will uh if you want to think of another example that's cool, I'm going to get to this. Okay. Um Actually, I've had to, this gentleman, a very first person to respond is a, a person I've had on the show before as a guest, Dan Epstein, fine writer. And uh, he wrote Horror Express <laughs> with Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing, and Telly Savalas. Very good. Michael from India. My last solo viewing consisted of The Abominable Dr. Fives and Dr. Fives Returns. <laughs> good double feature. Uh, Robert from Indianapolis, actually Zionsville. This is Robert Neal. Julia, uh, Jane Fonda, Vanessa Redgrave, Jason Robards, Maximilian Schell, um, Young Meryl Streep. Interesting. Uh, the fourth response, Jose writes, does porn count? <laughs> of course someone Just would say that. goes without saying. Uh, yeah. Judy from Illinois writes, Manchester by the Sea. Hmm. Wow, by yourself. Um, Cassandra writes, I get what she's saying. We've been catching up on Game of Thrones after all the kids go to bed. Yeah, I got that. Uh, T from Indianapolis writes, Emma with Gwyneth Paltrow. My boys call them back then movies and will not watch them with me. I know her sons. Back then movies. Yeah, old movies. It's funny because I just, we just watched this film with my daughter, Emma. Hmm. And, uh. I think I posted a picture of it, of, of the film. Yes, it's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and uh, a young Ewan McGregor and Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I got I got flack because I didn't show her, I didn't show, apparently I did not show her the best film version of Emma. Not the one with Kate, Be- Kate Beckinsale, not the one that was made by the BBC. My also response is, we started watching it at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to show her a six-hour BBC version. Shut up. <laughs> uh, Lou Harry. Um, oh, that's a different thing. Uh, Paul from Chicago writes John Wick 2. <laughs> yeah. Nice. I also have been waiting for everyone else to go to bed to watch American Gods. Okay. Uh, Andrew from Indy writes, uh, the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. Oh, God. Far superior to the studio and force edit originally released. We will take your word for that. <laughs> John writes, Michael Mann's Heat, mostly because it's three hours long. No toddler will abide this, yet alone a wife who doesn't watch a lot of movies. Great. Great film though. I didn't realize it was three hours. It's about two forty-five. Hmm. It's pretty. Yeah, 
Uh, our old friend and fellow and former IFJA member Gina writes, Movies I choose to watch without a spouse. G.I. Jane, <laughs> The Long Shots, TV shows, Handmaid's Tale, Big Little Lies. Uh, Jared writes, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Okay. I think I took my wife to see that. Uh, John <laughs> from St. Louis, The First Two Alien Films. Okay. Um, Joel writes, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Glorious Bastards. Nice. Right. Um, Darren writes, Every Venom Mob Movie. If I find a girl who can even name the five Venoms, I will marry her on the spot. <laughs> uh, Jeff from Michigan writes, Starry to disappoint Matthew Sosie, but it was Step Brothers. <laughs> to which I re- responded, I'm never playing your drums. <laughs> Uh, Bonnie from Richmond writes 1776 and Yankee, Yankee Doodle Dandy. Hmm. Before that, The Legend of 1900. Okay. Uh, Tim Irwin, also a former guest on this show many times. I always used to watch John Carpenter's The Thing when my wife was out of town. Oh, uh, one of my favorites. That's that's a good, solid choice there. Yeah. <laughs> um, Abby writes, I end up watching most movies. Oh, okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to get into that a whole lot. Sorry. That's that's a little personal. Um, I watched Independence Day last night. Mm, okay. Um, sorry, Abby. Stan, my wife and I have very different tastes and almost never watch a film together. Okay. Uh, David from Indiana writes, I go to movies by myself mostly because my wife doesn't like my choices in films. Most recently, I watched Baby Driver. Um, is this... This is, yes, uh, former uh, former Nouveau editor and my pal Steve Hammer down oh, in yeah. Texas writes, I saw Jackie over the Christmas holidays, 11 a.m. showing while my wife is away. Nuanced and gorgeous film with Portman giving an anguished role performance, pretty much true to history. Mm-hmm. Um, Maria from Indianapolis writes, the last one, Gypsy, the Rosalind Russell version, just because it was on. <laughs> Ricky writes, Spice World. Ricky, Ooh. I know you watched that by yourself. <laughs> um Doug from Michigan. This is also my cousin. Twelve Angry Men. Cool. Um, Mark from down in southern Indiana writes The Commitments. Mm. I've been meaning to show my family that one. I think Emma's watched the first <clears throat> ten minutes of it. Um, Adrian from Indianapolis writes Piranha. Huh. Best worst movie ever. Which one? That's the, Yeah, that was my, my immediate question was <laughs> which one. Um, is it the one that was written by John Sayles? Probably not. Uh <laughs> Paula, Paula writes, Stargate, best movie ever made. <laughs> wow. Um, to each their own. To each their own. Or And she writes, or Hellboy 1 and 2. I don't know anybody who's called Star. I don't, Jay Davison didn't even call Stargate, and that wasn't even the best Jay Davison performance. Um, that's the first I've wow, heard. Wow, that's a first. Yeah. I Okay. That's this, hilarious. This is like, I, I, I can't name them. But I, I have a, a dear friend from college who his wife, who he met in college and I knew in college, her favorite band was Erasure. Hmm. Nobody's favorite band is Erasure. <laughs> Just like nobody's favorite film is Stargate, except for hers. So there's that. I mean, I think I, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. All time. No, not oh, of no, all time. Not all time. <laughs> See, and, and, and I'm, I think I know this person enough. This is not um, – this is not a younger person where every other thing is the best slash worst thing ever kind right. of person. So I, I don't know. It's 
Uh, you know, the, maybe an incredible experience happened while watching it. We'll see. Um, I know what I'm rewatching this weekend. To see if it's true? Really? <laughs> wow. Uh, no. Way to go. <laughs> no, you're uh, Bob. Bob from Illinois. I know Bob. Uh, when I turn on a film in my house, the spouse runs for the hills. <laughs> she doesn't need to hear me deliver Gene Wilder's lines from Blazing Saddles before he does. Or <laughs> Willie Wonka for that. Jim writes, any John Wayne film. She is not a fan. Okay. Um, Rasky writes The Piano Teacher. Okay. Julie from <laughs> Julie from this building writes The Wedding Singer and Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> Together? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Diana uh, writes Beauty and the Beast. Doesn't say which version. Uh, Scott writes <clears throat> Also from Mindy. Just watched Split. Uh, okay. Um, Ruth Ann from Richmond writes Kinky Boots. That's a fun one. Um, Mary Ann from Indy writes The Dressmaker. Um, mm. Okay, sure. <laughs> um, Michael, oh, I know Michael. Michael wrote Slapshot. <laughs> <laughs> and and Michael, I know your family. You should show them Slapshot if you haven't already. That's um, let's see. Chris from Michigan writes Deadpool. It was on HBO, and I knew my wife didn't want to see it, but I had heard good things. Halfway through, I stopped because I realized that my wife would really like it, and we watched it the following night. Uh, Brian Hartz, I can name him out. Uh, I, don't get, uh, I don't get such opportunities these days between juggling activities and a toddler. Not literally. <laughs> but seeing as Monica will be out for a while tomorrow night, I might as well try a movie, and I will report to you about it. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> Ryan, writes, uh, Ryan from Ohio writes The Commitments. Uh, Sean from California. On occasion, I wake up ungodly early on Saturday morning, somewhere between 5.30 and 6 a.m. It's not so early for us. <laughs> um, and I'll go swinging down to HBO, et cetera, to see what might be on. DirecTV has this rewind function. The last one he did this ex- was Boyhood. <laughs> the, 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 hopefully the family was sleeping in on that one. Um, <laughs> Wayne writes, Get Crazy, 1776, and This is England. Hopefully not together. Um, Alex writes Annie Hall. Beverly from Indianapolis. The Full Monty. Um, Eric. (laughs) Eric wrote Under the Skin with Scarlett Johansson. Uh, It's the type of film I watch when they're all gone and the kind I can't sweetly suggest. (laughs) See also The Lobster, another Rocky recommendation. I know his (laughs) wife and I know exactly what he's talking about. Uh, Britt from Indy writes Hellboy 2. Mike from uh, Kokomo writes uh, Punisher. I, the, the last Thomas Jane? I, I don't. Doesn't say. Doesn't hmm. say. Spent, Dolph Lundgren. Oh, no. <laughs> or Punisher. What was it? Warzone. Warzone. I yeah. don't know. See, so many. Um, Spencer from Indy writes Ex Machina. <laughs> Too adult for the kids. My bride would probably have liked it, and she'd give me a chance, but the sa- heavy sci-fi marketing turned her off. Um, okay. Uh, John from Indy writes, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Wow, you're watching that by yourself. Um, Wayne writes, Victor Frankenstein. Okay. Patrick, I know this, Patrick. Uh, when I finished, well, I finished off the director's cut of Apocalypse Now with a five-week-old baby asleep on my chest today. <laughs> and then he responds, so maybe Patch Adams? And I res- responded to Patrick, and this is true, gang. You can watch anything you want in a kid's first year. Hmm. Anything. My daughter has not brought up the di- the one time we sat together when she was about six months old and we watched The Wild Bunch. So she, 
And look how she turned out. <laughs> okay. Um, finally, Anne writes the last from Fisher's writes the last waltz. Hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there. There. I, I was telling Sam off air. I had a. I had a moment where a, a a film had come out on video and and there are certain directors that fascinate me so i'm i'm going to give them a shot no matter what the film is i i, I just spoke about that with terrence malick and uh there there was an afternoon where the wife and the daughter were both out of town for the for a big chunk of the day so ladies and gentlemen i watched both parts of lars von trier's nymphomaniac hmm. i don't recommend watching those Back to back. <laughs> on on the other side, he got through it pretty quick, as opposed to watching it one day and then, okay, when am I going to watch this other one? <laughs> uh, it's it, it's it is what we call in the business a rough a rough ride, <laughs> a very very rough ride, as is every Lars von Trier film. Um, I haven't taken that ride yet. Um, I don't know if you need to. <laughs> I, I loved Melancholia. I <laughs> so one of my friends that posted on here, Marianne, found it f- discovered Melancholia for the wrong reason. She she only watched it because she knew Kiefer Sutherland was in it. <laughs> that's 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 the thing we like to call poor scouting. That's um, and I, I I told her I said you should call me. You know, I'm your film concierge. Don't don't if you are uncertain, please call. Um. Uh, yeah, I, I the last Von Trier film I saw in the theater was Antichrist, and mm. that was hard to watch. That um, I had not covered my eyes watching a movie since I was a child, and mm. there's there's a few moments in this they involve hammering that uh, <laughs> I just could not watch. Mm. So, um, yeah, he's he's fascinating, and I don't want to timeshare a condo with him, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, films like uh, I remember seeing Dancer in the Dark in and Breaking the Waves in the theater and was just blown away by what this guy could do and the amount of agony that people have gone through. <laughs> um, watching Straw Dogs last night, and I, it's, I'm on day two of the commentary and the features, and there's hmm. um, there's a really cool 90-minute documentary about Peck and Paul and a 20-minute chat with hmm. – um, with Susan George and and the producer, I mean, it's just it's it's a lot. And uh, how are you, uh, Sam? How are you on uh, Peck and Paw? Um, gosh, uh, not very well versed, unfortunately. Okay, well, the beauty of film is it's so there's always new stuff to discover, even if it's just new to you. So right, right. So I will get around to it. I swear. Pick the Wild Bunch for the '60s. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pellet palate cleanser for you, boys. <laughs> All right. Um, shifting gears a little bit, uh, I do want to acknowledge the passing of actor, and I hope I'm saying this right, uh, Jitu Kumbuka. And looking at his stuff, um, that's okay. Uh, first thing he was known for, and he, this is a classic that guy. We've seen him in things. I've seen him in things, and then I didn't realize that it was – he same guy playing this role many many years later. Um, first thing he was first film was a, a film called Uptight, which I remember had a great soundtrack by Booker T and the MGs. Played Hawk 
in the Elvis Presley ghetto drama Change of Habit. <laughs> he is a ghetto doctor. Mary Tyler Moore is an undercover nun. Not making this one up. <laughs> um, appeared as a roommate, one of the roommates in Brian's song. First thing I noticed him, he played Skillet in the first Blackula film. This mm. was a this was a guy who really wanted Blackula's cape because he thought it was very stylish. <laughs> uh, played a captain in Up the Sandbox. Um, was one of the trainers in um, um, Roots. Also played Cicero and Mandingo. A lot of TV. Played one of the hobos on the train in Bound for Glory. Um, fun was a guard in the original Fun with Dick and Jane. Was a sergeant in Walk Proud. This is the one with Robbie Benson playing in uh, Chicano. <laughs> Not kidding. Um, the TV film Ebony, Ivory, and Jade. Uh, was in the series A Man Called Sloan with Robert Conrad. Played one of the pimps in Bachelor Party. Uh, was in the film Brewster's Millions and Doing Time, Out of Bounds, was the cabbie in Outrageous Fortune, was in uh, the Richard Pryor film Moving, was also the toothless gambler in the opening scene of Harlem Nights, um, and then Midnight Edition in Cajun Paradiso. But uh, working guy. This is one of those guys that didn't matter if it was uh, TV or movies or theater, constantly working, and we like that mm. here, so... All right. Uh, once again, you're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the point and WFYI.org. Hanging out with Sam Watermeyer. Um, there was a question in this weekend's uh, AV Club. Ask the AV Club. Uh, AV Q&A, as they call it. And uh, I might get into this a little bit more next week, but I will ask you since you are here and in front of me. But the question this week for the, the uh, AV Club was... What romantic comedy couple shouldn't have ended up together? Ooh, interesting. So here are some of the answers from the staff. Somebody wrote Manhattan, hmm. Woody Allen and and uh, Mario Hemingway, although I don't think they really get back together. Um, Pat and Tiffany in Silver Linings Playbook. Oh, really? Well, let's hmm. see. Um, he's... Uh, Let's see. Uh, while it is refreshing to see the emotional pathology displayed by rom-com protagonists as an integral part of the story, as opposed to wildly unstable but consequence-free quirk, it's really hard to imagine these two making it last. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, yeah. Hugh Grant and Annie McDowell in Four Weddings and a Funeral. Uh, a lot of mm. people complaining about Annie <clears throat> McDowell. I have no complaints whatsoever. Um, the Couple in Sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> Let's make this perfectly clear. These people do not know each other. And on top of that, Annie's done some pretty darn unethical and frankly creepy things in the name of meeting Sam over the course of this movie. That's funny. I'm largely willing to suspend disbelief in the name of romance, but Sleepless in Seattle is a bridge too far even for me. And then she writes, I'll still watch it every time it's on, damn it. <laughs> um, A.A. Dowd. I'll have to send him a note on this because uh, I follow him on Twitter. A.A. A. Dowd had my choice. The couple from How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Hmm. Really, really, both of them. Not just Kate Hudson. McConaughey is just as bad. Um, and he, So here's what he writes. Two-thirds sour, one-third sweet is how I like to describe a particular reoccurring dynamic in romantic comedies. One that goes all the way back to the granddaddy of the genre, It Happened One Night. Basically, the lovers-to-be spend most of their screen time annoying the living hell out of each other before realizing somewhere in the final stretch, oh, crap, we actually love each other, don't we? 
Uh, I rolled with that surprise infatuation scenario more times than I can count, but I draw the line at the putrid how to lose a guy in 10 days. Kate Hudson plays Andy, a magazine columnist whose latest immersed journalism stunt entails snagging some random beau, then getting him to dump her within 10 days, mostly by conforming her behavior to a deeply sexist list of classic mistakes women make. Andy ends up performing this horrifying social experiment on Benjamin, Matthew McConaughey, a cocky advertising bro who, unbeknownst to her, has just made a bet that he can make any woman fall in love with him within, you guessed it, 10 days. <laughs> if you can somehow set aside the improbability of these two looking past the sociopathic manipulation of the courtship uh, to stay together, you still have to root for two horrible conniving people straight out of a Neil LeBoot play living happily ever after. There's no sweetness that can balance that much sour. <laughs> I like that. Um, somebody wrote Lloyd and Diane from Say Anything. Uh, um, Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen and Knocked Up. I was thinking yeah, about that one. that's yeah. pretty. Um, Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman and While You Were Sleeping. It's, huh. it says, they should not only shouldn't end up together, Bullock's character should be in intensive therapy, as it's clear early that her true love is pathological deception. <laughs> There's So that's that's a fun list. Do you, do you, well, any, any come to mind for you? Yeah, I have, this might be considered kind of a hot take, but uh, what... He was saying about, you know, two-thirds sour, one-third sweet. sweet. Yeah. Reminded me, um, I'm not so sure I believe in this, but I'll defend my pick. I was going to say Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks and You've Got Mail. Okay. Um, because, you know, they're competitors. She has a bookstore. He has like a, uh, it's like a mom-and-pop bookstore. It's, it's, a, it's a remake of The Shop Around the Corner. Yeah. With, and, added with the internet. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he owns kind of a massive, like, Barnes & Noble type of company. Not Borders, because that's gone. <laughs> I, I miss Borders. I but, do, too. Um, but, uh, you know, they're fierce competitors. They can't stand each other through, like, 90% of the movie. And then they get together, and and I like it. It's it's sweet and it's funny. Um, I always associate it with this scene from the show Undeclared. Uh, the characters are asking about their favorite movies, and one guy says, uh, "You've got mail," and they're all kind of surprised. And he defends it by saying, "It's just so pleasant." He <laughs> <laughs> um, should hang out with the Stargate lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I don't know. I would just imagine if that relationship happened in real life, they would just become competitive again. I, I just don't. I don't know. I don't buy that they could put that aside. At the very least, they we did get. Um, oh God, that's gonna that's gonna drive me crazy. Um, there was the the Paul Rudd Amy Poehler parody of romantic comedies, and I'm pulling it up as we speak. I hope. Oh, they came together. Hmm. Um, if you get a chance, it makes fun of all of these, <laughs> and and they're they're competing business business folk before they fall in love. It's hmm. you know the, that the group that we all know: Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler, Bill Hader, Ellie Kemper, um, Michael Ian Black, um, Christopher Maloney. I mean, Ed Helms. It's a lot of fun, it, hmm. and it makes fun of you know every romantic comedy since When Harry Met Sally. Hmm. Um, so there you go. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 this, this, this is going to be a fun list. I also think you're also going to see people's, um, people's own personal history come out in, especially in the AV club, uh, comment list, which, which I will, I will still defend comment list. 
um, on YouTube are, are written by a, lot, a lot, by a lot of people who don't have thumbs. They have not <laughs> evolved. Um, but but some of the gang in the AV club are semi-regulars, and they're actually pretty good. And the very first one up, the ultimate Molly Ringwald and Andrew McCarthy in pretty pink, all caps, <laughs> ducky all the way. <laughs> That's funny. I deem Demolition Man as a romantic comedy. Um, okay. <laughs> Didn't Scott Pilgrim end up with the wrong girl at the end? Um, somebody mentioned my be- my best friend's wedding is another one. I think she needs therapy. Hmm. Uh, most anything with Adam Sandler, but especially 50 first dates, which is basically taking advantage of a woman losing her memory every day. <laughs> Catherine Heigl and Gerard Butler in The Ugly Truth is a close second. <laughs> Oh man, this this is gonna be this. You know what? I I might have to maybe not next week because I'm I'm gonna be on vacation, folks. So we we'll, we will dip into the archives, but um, maybe when you guys get when's the festival again? Uh, the twenty first through the twenty third. Okay, so maybe the week after you guys get back, we might have to revisit this. This okay. is this is a fun list. Yeah. So. All right, um, just got a few more minutes, and we uh, shameless shameless floor plugging. The floor is yours, Sam. What do you got coming up in uh, in Sam's universe? Um, well, it might be too early to mention this, but I'm actually collaborating with a an indie based filmmaker here um, on the pilot for what we hope will be a comedy series about a midwestern film critic. Um, I accept. <laughs> oh you right got it okay um wouldn't you need somebody to play the haggard old veteran that will teach you the ropes like jk simmons and whiplash uh you know where my number is there you go yeah definitely <laughs> um but we're going for kind of a curb your enthusiasm you know slice of life uh comedy and i'm really excited about it so well fingers crossed on that well thank you so all right ladies and gentlemen um here's some words to live by Silent Breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. And don't forget, Midnight Movies are happening. You got the Israeli Film Festival happening July 9th through the 13th. Go to jccindy.org for more information. Indie Film Fest is happening as well. That is um, July 13th through the 23rd at the Toby at... um, at the Fountain Room also as well, the Sutfin Fountain Room. Go to IndieFilmFest.org for more information there. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. Thanks for hanging out, Sam. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. That's enough. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan.
All right. On that note, you're watching Film Sociology. This is pretty much the worst video ever made. <laughs> no. That's not what I said. I can't believe you've let her watch Man Off. <laughs> is she scarred for life? Let's put it this way. What parent are you? <laughs> When I wake her up, I vocalize the theme to wake her up to get her oh, ready to school. Oh, you're a terrible father. <laughs> we'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live!